Welcome to the Big Ticket Clients Podcast, where we feature expert thought leaders and cover the best strategies, stories, and psychology you need to land big ticket clients. Because as you know, you can't catch a whale with a worm. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Big Ticket Clients Podcast, and it's my pleasure to introduce to you Kip Colson. How are you doing today, Kip? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Hey, Kip, you are the president of Family Wealth Leadership, and you're also an author of You Can Have It All, Wealth, Wisdom, and Purpose. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Well, the book is a outcropping of what we do here at Family Wealth Leadership, uh, and predominantly we work with uh, high net worth families. Uh, We are a financial advisor, wealth manager, but what we learned early on is too often money doesn't do kind things to the family. And in fact, the statistic is that 70% of wealth will be lost each time it transfers from one generation to the next and gone in three generations. Wow. It's our mission in life to try to keep that from happening. Amazing. And you know, Kip, when we were talking earlier, you shared some things with me that just gave me chills. First of all, I want to honor you for uh, your service to our country. Uh, tell you. us a little bit about how you got involved uh, in, in, in the service and what that was all about at such a young age for you. Uh, yeah, well, when I graduated uh, from college in 1967, the Vietnam War was going on and there was also a draft. And I was interested in getting into banking. So I started interviewing with banks. And the only bank that would hire me at that moment was Bank of America here in California. And I was in Arizona. Now, the only reason they wouldn't hire me was because I could get drafted. It's not they didn't like me. They just figured I wouldn't be around very long. <laughs> they, they wanted so, to hedge their bets. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Bank of America said, not a problem. We'll put you on a leave of absence if you go into the military. So my wife and I at that time, I was married and we moved to California And sure enough, the day uh, before Thanksgiving in 1967, there's a note in the mail that says, come on down to Los Angeles for a physical. So I went ahead and enlisted so I could become an officer. And so I did that. Uh, I wound up, fortunately, because I think I was an armor officer, which means tanks. uh, They sent me to Germany instead of Vietnam. So I got to do my tour of duty in uh, Germany, which was a great experience. My wife was able to join me. We had our first child in Germany. And uh, did my three years, came back out in uh, December of um, de- uh, 1970. Mm-hmm. They went, sent me back to Bank of America here in Newport Beach, California. And uh, it was right place, right time. I was able to kind of grow up in that office from trainee to become vice president and head of their real estate department. One of my clients was a commercial real estate developer building office buildings and shopping centers. So I was able to um, join him, uh, learn the real estate development business, did that for about 15 years up until 1993, mm-hmm. when here in California, the real estate market was very bad. And so I had the financial background. So then I looked at the financial planning and investment uh, world and went to work at that time for what was called IDS. It was a a big, it's Ameriprise today. Mm -hmm. Did my one year of training and then left to join a small firm, independent firm called Advantage Financial Advisory Group. And um, long story short, they had four partners over time. Four went down to two. I came in as a third partner 
And then in 2005, I bought those partners out Mm. and my son had joined the firm in uh, December of 2004. So at that point, it became the two of us. And so we changed the uh, methodology, if you will, to start to focus on those high net worth clients and working on the, the, um, again, the, the, that generational transfer of wealth mm-hmm. and trying to do things that would keep that family from using the wealth in bad ways, instead use it in good ways to help the, ne- the family and the next generation. You know, um, so Kip, whenever we come on our show, we always have to slap you on the finger when you say anything but big ticket clients, right? So it's not yeah. high net worth individuals on our show. It's big ticket clients. I'll go with that. <laughs> you go with that. Okay. You know, um, you know, Kip, I would love to learn um, what it is about your service um, uh, in, in, in the military, what values you carried over or what, it, what, it, what did you bring into the world of business that you, you owe to that service? You know, because I've met several people like you in the world of business who, for example, uh, someone I worked with, he said, Hey, I'm a Marine. I said, are you, were you a Marine? He said, no, I am a Marine. (laughs) Yeah. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Well, I was Army, but I, it's the same idea. It's the same idea. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah. I think if you think about the Army, because it's a great analogy, I think, to what we're trying to do here is, and and I actually do use a SEAL team as an example in the book. Uh Uh, but the idea is, you learn responsibility, you learn leadership, you learn to depend on the team rather than your individual self. Mm. And it's about commitment. It's about hard work. It's about doing the work necessary to be successful. And really what we see in today's world, I think, too often, is families who grow up in um, significant wealth and the kids are not really learning how to take on responsibility. And I'll use a quick example because I think we've probably all heard it recently mm-hmm. is that uh, college scandal. And I, I don't know if you, you're yes. familiar with what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, yes. Yeah, but here was I, a I have an 18 year old who, you know, we've been struggling to get her, get her into school. Uh, and, you know, we went through the whole thing everybody goes through. So I get it. It's happening to me right now. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. And, and I'm going to su- assume that your 18 year old has had to get the good grades, had to work hard, had to do everything possible to qualify for the school that he or she wants to get into. Mm -hmm. In this college scandal, uh, what was happening uh, was somebody created, a gentleman by the name of Rinker, I think it was, created a charity that high net worth or big ticket people (laughs) (laughs) were contributing to, some of them being Hollywood people, And then this gentleman would take that money and go bribe colleges, the athletic uh, department and the entrance exam department. Mm -hmm. And they would bribe their, the the colleges to allow their children, the high, uh, the the celebrities, their children to get into college when they didn't really deserve to be there. In some cases they said, well, you can be on the soccer team, even though you've never played soccer. Mm-hmm. Well, then they get into college and then they never show up. So the point is, these kids were being taught, quite honestly, how to cheat, mm-hmm. how to work the system, mm-hmm. how to lie. That's not the kind of thing you want to teach your children to prepare them for being responsible adults when they get into the world. Yeah. And they're certainly not going to be able to compete because they've been given everything that they ever wanted. Yeah. So going back to the, the comment about the SEAL team or the military, 
those are the things you learn. I mean, that, that, that service is you learn how to have responsibility, be self-reliant uh, and independent, but also to use other people, not in a bad way, but to help them, protect them and help them become successful. That's what we're trying to do. That That is powerful. And, and uh, you know, you know, sometimes I just wonder who exactly, well, let, let's go back. Who exactly do you serve right now and what challenges do they have when they first meet you? You know, you, 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 you know, we, you know, you can't serve everyone, right? right? So who exactly do you like to serve or do you end up serving and what challenges do they uniquely have? Yes. And, and, and to your point, a lot of people don't want to be helped. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the families that we can work best with uh, usually are a business owner family or a family, they have a family business of some kind. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that family business will transfer to the next generation. And a lot of times one or more of the children are involved in that family business. And this is a story uh, that I'll share. And I, it wasn't me. It was actually another advisor, but it's a great example. Uh, this was a business owner that had, a, uh, I think, a shoe manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. And he had a couple children involved in the business and a couple children not involved in the business. Mm-hmm. So he contacted this particular advisor and asked him to come and meet with himself because he was starting to deal with the transition issues. And, the, and this uh, advisor says, well, I'm really out of the business. I'm retired. He says, yeah, but I still want you to come. So when he got there, the first question he asked, and he's required that the whole family be around the table. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, now let's assume that dad dies tomorrow. Who's going to become the CEO? Well, the two children that were involved in the business both raised their hand. Well, you can't have two CEOs. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, then he took it the next step, which is he interviewed everybody in the family. And we do the same thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so when you start to talk to everybody in the family, you start to uncover all of the issues that have gone on in the family, uh, all of the baggage that's been carried through the family through many, many years. And, you know, a lot of times kids are still upset uh, and angry with each other because maybe you stole their toy ball or something when they were six years old. Mm-hmm. But when he interviewed, what he found out was the son, who was kind of the heir apparent, who dad thought would be the leader, didn't want to be the leader. Mm. And in fact, he said, the only reason I've even been working here is because I wanted to honor my dad and be close to him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The daughter who wanted to be the leader would not have been had dad taken it down this path. Mm -hmm. And I think there's two issues there that are very, one of them being very sad. Here's a young man that's been working for, I don't know how long, let's call it 10 or 15 years, doing something he didn't really want to do. Mm. Well, that's really sad. Had he gone down this path, the dad, and put the son in place, the son didn't want to be there. So he's not going to be passionate, and he's probably going to do a bad job and run the company into the ground. Mm -hmm. The daughter who wants to be there doesn't, doesn't get what she wants. Plus, she sees her brother destroying the very company that she wants to run Mm. plus all the other children who technically are going to inherit a portion of this business they're seeing their brother run the company into the ground Mm -hmm. the point is that's going to create a lot of family dynamics and anger if 
the other children are seeing their brother unsuccessful at running the business and destroying it. Yeah. So these are the kind of things we got to get involved in. So yeah, the ideal client is obviously they should have a family that helps. Yeah. <laughs> and number two, they have to have a reasonable amount of uh, net worth to make uh, this viable for them. Mm-hmm. And number three, if they're a business owner, that's our best client. You know, I, I, I love the way you sort of interweave things like leadership and, you know, personal authenticity and development, um, family with wealth, right? You know, it's, it's interesting. You, you probably come as a financial expert, but you end up almost being a life coach sometimes. Um, well, that's exactly right. And let me share a metaphor with you that we came up with that I think describes what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. And the metaphor is we have this thing we call the family train. And the family train is trying to steam off into the future. It's got all the family loaded, all the wealth that's on the train, and it's trying to steam off into the future for new opportunities. Mm -hmm. But a train can't run on bare ground, right? Mm -hmm. It has to run on these things called tracks. So it's got this one track we'll call the financial track. Mm -hmm. The financial track has a crew. That crew is made up of people like me, the CPAs, the attorneys, the insurance, go down the list. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they're not even talking to each other. Then we have the people track. And it has a crew made up of the life coaches, the psychologists, the therapists, and so forth. And they may be doing a great job of laying track, but they're not talking to each other. And they're certainly not talking to the financial crew. Mm -hmm. So what you get is you get these two crews laying track and they're laying it at different lengths, in different directions, at different widths, at different times. So invariably, you still get a train wreck. (laughs) Our role is to be the railroad tie. There you go. So what we do is we create the railroad tie creates a foundation Mm -hmm. and it makes sure that those two tracks are being laid simultaneously in the same direction at the same width. So the train doesn't come off the track. So that's really what we do. I love that. You know, you know what you just did was what I call a parable point presentation, meaning oh, you, yeah. you use the parable to make a point to present something. I love that. Yeah, well, as we know, oh, Jesus used a lot of parables. Yeah, to he, make he sure did. Yeah. So, so on that note, you know, tell us how you deliver your service or what's, what you feel is, is unique about your service. You know, obviously a lot of people say that they bring financial uh, advisory tools or, or they're experts. How do you differentiate yourself in the marketplace? Uh, well, that's the challenge, if you will, from the standpoint of, because as I just shared, we do much more of what I call the family coaching side than even the financial side. We mm-hmm. still do the financial But we will spend a whole lot more time getting involved with the entire family, as I said in that other story. Mm -hmm. We're going to sit down with mom and dad first. We're going to learn a whole lot about them. We'll spend hours with mom. And usually what we do is we don't interview them in in the same room at the same time. Mm -hmm. We will interview one individual, one, let's say we'll do the mom first. And we'll probably spend six, eight hours with her. Mm-hmm. Then we'll come over and we'll interview dad and spend another six or eight hours. And we've got a, a hundred plus questionnaire that we go through mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. find out about their history. Mm-hmm. How, what was it like growing up? 
uh, did they start with wealth? Did they inherit wealth or did they have to build it? How did they build it? What struggles did they go through in order to get that wealth? Mm-hmm. If they're, especially if they're building a business. Then we want to find out, well, here's where you are today. Tell me about the family. What do you see as the dynamics in the family? What issues do you have? How do you feel about this child and this child? And then where do you want to be in the future? Mm-hmm. And then after we've interviewed mom and dad, and by the way, we document all of this into something we call the family significance statement. Mm. Um, and then we'll sit down with all of the children and potentially the uh, uh, spouses of the children. Uh, and we'll interview them and go through the same process. So by the time we're done with this process, we know where all the skeletons are. <laughs> we know where all of the issues are. We know who likes who and who doesn't like who. And, you know, and again, what, uh, what, what are all those things? And a lot of times we'll get the comment of, well, you know, if you bring the whole family, because when ultimately once we've interviewed everybody separately, then we bring the whole family back together and we have these kind of conversations. And invariably somebody will say, well, yeah, but if you bring the family together in the room, we're going to have crying and yelling and screaming and you're just going to create a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And my answer is I don't create any problems. Now, I will reveal <laughs> those problems and bring them to the surface. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that better to try to deal with them now and when mom and dad are gone, and now who's around the table? It's all the attorneys. Yeah. Because the kids are all going to go out and hire their own attorneys, and now it's going to be a big fight. And at the end of the day, the only people who win are the attorneys. Wow. So that's how we differentiate ourselves. Yeah, no, you are a high-touch, high-family, high-relationship approach. And in fact, exactly. when it comes to big-ticket clients, one of the big differentiation uh, points between what I call small-ticket and big ticket is the 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 depth of the relationship. You know, if I'm going to sell you something for 97 bucks, I don't need to see your face. <laughs> I don't need to talk yeah, to you. Right. But if 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 you're going to buy something from me that is 10k or more, let's have a conversation and let's get to know each other. So it sounds like that's something you really really work on. Now, regarding big ticket clients, if you were to sort of be a teacher for a moment for other people, who are on that journey of making the switch from small ticket to big ticket? What would you say you've discovered along the way um, in 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 working with people who are of high net worth and so on? What how, what's the difference for you that you've seen? Well, again, I think it goes back to the um, the idea of dealing with truth mm. and reality. Again, as I said earlier. A lot of times what I just described to you, mm-hmm. a lot of families don't want to deal with those issues. It's just I'll bury my head in the sand and somehow it'll magically go away. And I shared with you the statistic of 70 percent of wealth. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason that wealth is <clears throat> lost is because trust and communication has gone away in a family. Mm-hmm. And as communication goes down, so does the trust. So part of what we're trying to do, and hopefully to answer your question about making a difference Mm -hmm. and being able to build and build, is number one, in in what we do, is you don't distribute the money to the kids in traditional estate planning. Mm -hmm. Because if you got, call it four kids, and and the the typical estate planning is math, right? Well, I got four, I divide by four, everybody gets 25%. percent And invariably, that creates the problem because the kids all have different ideas of what is fair. And equal is not fair. 
because yeah. each child brings something different to the table and maybe has different needs, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so that's part of the issue. And so what we try to do is rather than distributing it out, it's called, I call it divide and divide because you divide by the number of kids and that just divides the family. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> instead, what we want to do is do two things. We like to try to keep the family wealth within the family Number one, in the form of a, and I'll use this generically, a family foundation. Mm-hmm. We want the family to be involved in philanthropy. And the reason for that is not only the good that it does for other people, mm-hmm. but running a foundation is like running a business. So remember, these kids are growing up in a world with no experience in how to run a business. Mm-hmm. So if we can bring them into the family foundation, get everybody around the table with mom and dad still at the head of the table. Now we can find out what the kids really care about mm-hmm. and what they because what we're finding out in today's world, a lot of the kids want to have access to the family wealth for social causes, but they got to wait till mom and dad die. Mm. Well, they'd rather get their hands on it now. Yeah. So by bringing the kids around the table, now they've got a voice at the table and they can start to talk about and hopefully get some money to start doing what they want to do. But again, like I said, running a foundation is like running a business. It's got to have financial statements, tax returns. Uh, we're talking about HR because everybody around it got to learn how that teamwork. Remember the, the military thing I talked yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now mom and dad, while they're still alive, they can see which kids are rising to the surface as being able to take on more responsibility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. And and really, even more important than writing checks and giving money away is we want them to do what we call boots on the ground philanthropy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which means we want the whole family to go on some kind of a a trip, whether it be go drilling water wells in Africa, going down to Tijuana, let's say, to build an orphanage or a church or a school, or even going into their local neighborhood just to help the homeless and whatever. If the family does that together, that has incredible bonding mm-hmm. learning and and when the kids see mom and dad active in all of this they they catch that that idea wow so that's the that's the one component then we try to do what is called in our industry a family office we call it a family enterprise holding company mm-hmm. so all of that wealth rather than giving it to the kids stays in this holding company of which the kids are managing and will manage at some point and again they're learning to run a business they have to make business decisions and the simple example I use is you have two children. Mm-hmm. One of them wants to start a business. She comes to mom and dad in a normal situation, says, I need $200,000 to start my business. Mm-hmm. And this is a good kid, uh, very responsible. Mom and dad are like, yeah, we'll give you the money. We want you to be successful. They have another daughter, or we'll say, who hasn't been quite so successful and barely got out of high school, mm-hmm. never worked, kind of the trust fund baby type. Yeah, And she hears about her sibling getting this money and she comes to mom and dad and says, well, I should get it too. Well, now mom and dad are in a very difficult situation, right? Because if they give it to this one, it's just going to go down a rat hole. Mm-hmm. So their choices are they bite the bullet, they give it to that one and both of them. Or what they do is they go back and they say, you know, we've decided to do nothing because this is a no-win situation for us. Mm-hmm. Well, did that create... Uh, friendly relationship between the two sisters or that they're both sisters because the one who wanted the money and is responsible now is upset that the other uh, sister or, or sibling messed up her deal. Yeah. 
So if we can replace mom and dad with this thing we call the holding company, it has rules. So just like going to the bank, you got to qualify for the money and you got to prove you can need, you can, uh, you need it and that you'll be successful with it. So that's the difference. You know, um, a lot of people who uh, want to get in touch with high net worth individuals, big ticket clients, struggle with the question of where do I find them? And I'll tell you what I mean. You know, if you go on LinkedIn and you type in CEOs, um, you'll get a bunch of CEOs, but uh, they never show up there. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, they never show. And if you go on, you know, it's it's like so. So I guess I have two questions. The first one is. Where do you find your big ticket clients? And um, I think the second one that I had was when you find them, when you help them become successful, what does a successful client look like in your world? Sure. Uh, regarding how we find them, and I always joke a little bit based on what I just described earlier on my train metaphor is mm -hmm. you can Google financial advice, investments, and so forth, and you get a thousands and thousands of people, right? Yeah. Or you can go over here and say, well, I've got com family conflicts or whatever. I'm having trouble. With you can Google that and you'll get the therapists of the world. The problem is because I cross over both of those and get involved in both sides of those, both tracks, you really can't Google what I do. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so my challenge is to be out there talking to a lot of people like you, mm -hmm. but also our three primary sources of referrals uh, come from the CPAs, mm -hmm. the uh, the attorneys, and bankers. And the reason for that is, number one, all three of those people typically deal with business owners and uh, high net worth individuals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but they also have stuff that everybody needs, right? Mm -hmm. the, the accountant, mm -hmm. you got to do your financial statements and your tax returns. So they're in touch. The banker, everybody needs a bank. They got to get a loan and so forth. And at some point, somebody, everybody needs an attorney. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what I do, as I said earlier, it's too easy to procrastinate and put it off. And so part of my challenge is people have these issues mm -hmm. and they know they have these issues and there's either one of two things happening. Either, like I said earlier, they'll bury their head in the sand because they don't want to deal with them. Mm -hmm. Or number two, they want to deal with them, but they don't know where to get the help. Yeah. So, so, that's, so what does a happy family look like when they're done working with you? Yeah, a happy family. And again, I, unfortunately, it's not a perfect world. And, <laughs> and everything I'm describing is you know, as much as I'd like to think we can have every family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we Sometimes they just don't do what we tell them to do. But a happy family, I'll give you a quick example. This was a family that we worked with a while back. And we had our first family meeting. Mm -hmm. And we explained what we were trying to do and how we were going to do that. And this whole thing about the family office, family foundation, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then one of the things that we suggested the family consider doing is they would create committees. So, for example, they would have an educational committee. And that educational committee would determine what would be the criteria. So when future children came into the family holding company to say, I need help getting a, uh, paying for college. Well, OK, you got to have a certain grade point average. You got to have uh, a certain, you know, are we going to put up 100 percent? Are you going to kind of help work your way through college? Maybe get a little job on the side, whatever. And then we had the, again, going back to the foundation, we had the generosity committee and it had to determine who are we going to help fund? Why are we going to help fund them? And so forth. 
And if you wanted to come in for, uh, again, to buy a house, um, okay, how are we going? So we had that committee. And then we had the investment committee. Mm -hmm. The investment committee was going to determine how would we invest all of the family's wealth. And that could be in a lot of things, the things that we do, which are mainly the security side, but also real estate, other businesses, starting businesses and so forth. So the point is, again, it doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably the simple example is why do we know who the Rockefellers and the Kennedys and so forth are? Well, because they figured out long ago that rather than giving it away, we kept it in the family and everybody in the family understood that the family was the branding, not the business or the product. And you can have multiple businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, and again, it, that's what we hope to accomplish. Can we always do that? No. Yeah. But no, that's no. the goal. No, I, I hear you. So would you have any final words of wisdom that you could share for people who want to find success with family wealth um, or people who just want to be successful um, in their businesses uh, with big ticket clients? Yeah, the wisdom I would have, and this is probably going to sound a little (laughs) self-serving, but number one, be realistic and and recognize that this is a problem. Again, that that comment about the 70% of wealth, Mm -hmm. That basically means almost every family is going to lose their wealth at some point in time unless they get help. And that's the second part of the wisdom. Get help from somebody who understands what this means and how to get it done because it's a it's a minefield. Mm -hmm. And if the family could do it themselves, they would do it. The fact is they can't do it themselves. They're too close to the forest for the trees. They're too emotional. Mm -hmm. They've got to bring in the right advisors. And it's a team of advisors. It's not just us. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a team uh, because there's certainly some family dynamics I'm not capable to deal with, but I've got people who can. Mm -hmm. So the point is get outside help, people who are not emotionally connected to the family and can come with objectivity and come with reality and can ask all of the difficult questions and bring those problems to the surface. Wow. You know, uh, Kip, if people want to reach you to learn more or maybe get a copy of your book, you can have it all, uh, which I'm, I'm excited to read myself. Uh, what is the best website or, or, or LinkedIn or uh, email or, or anything you'd like to share so that they can yeah. connect with you? Yes. Well, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, the, the last name is with a K. So it's K-O-L-S-O-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, it, Kip is a nickname. Clifford is my given name. But if you go to Amazon and just type in K-O-L-S-O-N, uh-huh. it should bring up the book. Okay. The uh, website is www.familywealthleadership.com. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody wants to reach me directly, they can send it to K K. O-L-S-O-N at FamilyWealthLeadership.com. Kip, it has been a pleasure listening to your stories. Uh, Again, I want to just honor you for your service to our nation. It's it's rare for me to meet people like you. I really feel it. I love it. Thank you so much for being on our show. And thank you for the opportunity. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Big Ticket Clients Podcast. For more episodes and strategies, visit BigTicketClients.com. That's www.BigTicketClients.com. And remember, you can't catch a whale with a worm.